It's Agarts from Horse and Buggy Land. Today, you have a chance to become a premium member of the podcast. Click one of the premium membership levels and you can get everything from a free book by an Agarts artist to free postcards to extra bonus interviews to the chance to have a piece of writing critiqued by me, and a free workshop or reading by Mary Swander. So go to those show notes, scroll down, and click to become a premium member. Thank you so much for your support. It's Agarts from Horse and Buggy Land, and this is your host, Mary Swander. We're moving into the holidays with all the culinary treats the season has to offer. So this week, we have a diverse group of mostly immigrants from Muscatine, Iowa, telling their native food stories. And most are rendering these tales in English as a second language. So move over, turkey, mashed potatoes, and gravy. Move over, pumpkin pie. Welcome, a storyteller from Brazil eating venison for the first time in the United States. Welcome, a member of the Jewish community of Des Moines, Iowa, eating tongue. And a man from Cameroon who loves rice. You'll travel to Togo for fufu, to Sicily for melanesa, and you'll find out what food Des Moines has in common with the Ukraine. And finally, you'll find out what Mexicans roast on a spit when they settle down for a nice Sunday holiday picnic. My name is Marilisa, Marilisa Trimboli. I am from Brazil. And uh, what I play was the Chorinho, is Brazilian composer, the Pixinguinha. And uh, here, are my story. Um, my family came from Brazil, Sao Paulo, to Muscatine. So in the, we just, just arrived. And uh, one day, I think it was in the first month when we came, and uh, my husband came back home when a small packet wrapped up, and uh, he told Marilisa, somebody gave me this to prepare you, what is this? Open it. So when I opened, was a meat, one portion meat like this. So I opened, I never saw the meat like this. So I asked him, what kind of, what kind of the meat is this? I never saw in my life. He told me, well, is uh, a deer. You know, oh my gosh, I don't believe I have a deer in my hands. So I can't, I never, I never, uh, in my counter, I never eat, I never prepare, I never cook deer. So I don't know what spice you know, I can use. And that suddenly came in my mind, do you know the movie, The Bambi? So was in, in my, my hands and I saw the image, The Bambi. So, oh my, I can't eat this, I can't prepare this. So I told my husband, I can't cook it, Adir. I, I really I can't cook it because I will not eat. And I, no, but this is, is only meat. So 
Suddenly I well, but no vaccination, no control for the issues, no. So my husband, oh, okay, I agree with you, Marilisa. So I not offense. I told my husband, I don't want offense, but we throw away and we not, did not eat a deer, no. <laughs> Hi, my name's Carolyn. I'm from Des Moines. I'm a third generation immigrant, so that will come up a bit later. But where I grew up in Des Moines, on our block, there were only two religions represented. We had Jews and we had Catholics. And my theory was always that was because we were... Ah, that's how you do it. Sorry. We were only a few blocks from two Jewish synagogues and only a few blocks from two Catholic parochial schools. So in those days, all of the kids in the neighborhood hung around together, of course, and would congregate at one home or the other. And if you wanted something to eat, all you did was go to the refrigerator of whatever home you were in, open up the door, and take out what you want. So on this occasion, we were at my house, and this young man, who maybe was in junior high, goes to my parents' refrigerator and opens the door and looks in. And first he turned sort of white, and then he turned sort of green. And then we were sort of worried that he was going to lose it, which, thank goodness, he did not. But what he found that he was facing was a very large cow's tongue, an entire cow's tongue. Which was, and honestly, it did look very much like that. So then I decided to try and figure out why, in fact, there was a cow's tongue in my parents' refrigerator, right, when he was so surprised. And I found that actually cow's tongue, just as you'd expect, you know, is eaten all over the world in lots and lots of countries, in Europe and whatever. But the one country that never came up on that list was Ireland. And I figured this was just too much for my Irish Catholic neighbor. <laughs> Do you know what? I like rice. If somebody likes rice, put your, your hand up. Ah, yeah. I clap for you. Me too. Me too. I like rice. My name is Confiance. Confiance Votio. I am from Cameroon. Cameroon is in Central Africa. In your mind, you see Africa in the Central. Here is Cameroon. In my country, we speak French. Like me, some little people speak again English. But now I would like to speak about uh, one traditional food in my country. But I like rice. Yes. The name of that food is uh, taro. T A like apple, R O, taro. How can I put it? You go to the market, uh, you find something. The name in my country is Makumba. Makumba. That's the name in my country, the Makumba. You buy it, you bring it at home, you cook. It's not too hard to cook. It's very, very easy to do that. You cook it. After that, you have to make a sauce. The yellow sauce is the name. Yellow sauce. Like a color, yellow. You find the first time the palm oil. You bring in the water. 
you mix together, you mix it, you use your hand, you mix a lot. Don't worry, you wash your hand first. Nope. You mix, yes, you mix, you mix. You put the salt, you test it, you put again, you put the pepper, if you like a pepper, you mix again, you mix. Do like me, mix. try to mix it. Yes, try, yes, like that, yes. You mix a lot, mix a lot. After that, if you are vegetarian, you put the fish. If you are not vegetarian like me, you put the meal, chicken, a lot of things if you want. After that, you eat it. It's very, very good. Very good. But I like rice. The mission of AgArts is to imagine and promote healthy food systems through the arts. We do this in a number of ways. For example, this podcast, AgArts from Horse and Buggy Land, and your help, your donation, funds our technical assistance, our website, our manager, and pays our rent here. We also do this through our Farm to Artist residencies. And on these residencies, artists do their work on farms, real working farms, and there they understand the issues of the farmers and reflect that in their art. Your funding keeps us alive. Please make a donation on our website, agarts.org, A-G-A-R-T-S dot O-R-G, or click the link in the show notes and hit that donation button. For fufu, it is kind of, you can make fufu with plantain or whatever. Instead of bread, we cook yams. For fufu, you cook yam, you mash the yam. After that, you put that on the plate. And then after that, you prepare the sauce. It, believe me, it tastes good. And a good sauce, you put in the good meat, a little of water. You add the onions, the paper. You add the salt. Prepare to cook the good sauce. After that, you eat the food, the fufu. So it's very, very good. It, he's from Togo and I'm from Como, and believe me, it is good. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Domenica Vitali. I'm Italian. My town uh, I'm from is Palermo in Sicily. And uh, I live here in Mascatine for 15 years with my husband, kids, and my father-in-law, Paparino. Uh, my father-in-law is very, very cooking, very good. And uh, when I got married, I didn't know to cook. I'm ashamed. <laughs> and he teaches me a lot. He's cooking much better than me. <laughs> and uh, my mom is 89 years old. And uh, I'm the whole of my family live here in the States. All my family lives in Sicily. And uh, usually she she live alone, but my family is around her. But uh, she miss a lot my father because she's a widow. And uh, I usually uh, call her two times a week. And uh, every time when I call her, she complains. She has a pain. She has an headache. 
she's always complaining, maybe because she misses my father, for, of course. And uh, usually I go every year for three, four weeks. And I live in my mom's house. I stay in my mom's house. They, they change. She's changed a lot. She got a lot of energy. She very, very activity. She cook every day for, for me, especially if she cook whatever I like it. And she spoke to me a lot. And uh, uh, Sunday, she, she wake up and she started to cook at 9 o'clock in the morning. Because the food for us, especially in South Italy, is very, very, very important. With the food, we make a lot of relation with the family and with the neighbor. And uh, the tradition uh, uh, Sunday meal for my mom, she is uh, spaghetti with the meatball, and she makes Milanese. Milanese is a kind of very, very uh, tiny meat. And she put in the mixed eggs, and then she season the bread crab, and then she fry. And she put it with the salad. And then, of course, for us, it's very, very important after dinner, drink espresso coffee. We are very, very, very espresso coffee. And every morning, we usually make espresso coffee. And all my family come in my house when I'm going to Italy. And uh, every morning we make espresso and we call all the neighbors. And uh, um, we have a talk together for about, uh, that's the excuses for talk around about an hour. And uh, my mom, she doesn't even not complain, not pain, and not headache. She's very, very happy because uh, her house is uh, full with the company and with the family. That's it. Uh, that is very, very important for me. That's it. Thank you. Hi, Carolyn again, back in Des Moines, Iowa again. Also on this block where we lived, and this was back in the 50s, there was a grandmother who lived in almost every home in that block. Um, that was very much what was happening right back then, if there was one aged grandparent, and my grandmother lived with my family from before I was born until long after I'd left home. Uh, she was the immigrant. She was from Poland. She had come over when she was maybe about 18, and she, um, when she was there, she came from a very small town called a shtetl, and the way that the family functioned, actually, was that my uh, her father would have been in the synagogue during the day studying the Jewish holy books. And she would be not, you know, her mother would be taking care of the children, the house, and in fact, taking care of everything financially, which meant that she was raising the poultry and the food and whatever. So needless to say, she was the main cook in our home, right, as well. And I assumed that all the special dishes that she made were Jewish, you know, that I was eating Jewish food. And this made sense because of all of my friends who were Jewish, they were all eating the same sort of food. It was like we all had the same recipes, in fact. Um, so I have two little stories, however, that, that taught me that was not the case. Um, the first was that I met an artist couple, and they were from Poland, and we became friends, and they asked us to dinner. 
And I said, that'd be fine. And they said, did we like soup? I said, of course we loved soup. Well, they actually were serving cold soup. I said, oh, well, the only cold soup that I know is borscht. And then they looked at me because, in fact, that's what they were serving. Now, somehow we had failed to connect the fact that they were Polish now and that I was a Jewish American with a grandmother from Poland. And, of course, we were all eating the same food, obviously. Uh, so that was my first lesson. Now, you'd think I would have figured it out, but I did not. The next thing that happened was I went to Madison, Wisconsin, and I was going to eat at a Russian restaurant for the first time. And I was all excited because I'd never had Russian food. Or so I thought, once again, I sit down, I open the menu, the very nice waitress walks up to me and says, can I help you understand anything? And I sort of looked shocked and mumbled and said, no, gee, actually this is all my comfort food. And in fact, I apparently forgot you know, the proximity of all of Eastern Europe and that my grandmother, in fact, was also cooking Russian food as well as Polish food. Uh, so somewhere between those two lessons, it dawned upon me that most of our ancestors, I'm sure, moved around. They moved and other people moved into the areas where they were. And what we all did was adapt and adopt the foods from the cultures that we all knew and from the cultures right, that we interacted with. So somewhere in there, I finally learned that food really has much more to do with culture and geography than it does with religion. I, I want to introduce Irina. Irina she is from Ukraine. And uh, she worked for me and my restaurant for about two months, I think two months. And she doesn't speak English, and my husband doesn't speak Ukraine. And they communicate with the phone, translate the phone. And uh, one day she brought the, uh, Ukraine food, and I never tried my life, but she brought the bush. Bush? Bush. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm speaking. Bush. And uh, I tried my first time, and it was very, very, very good. And for sure, she cooked very well. <laughs> Thank you. I am is Irina. I'm from Ukraine. Tradition food, Ukraine, this borscht. Eat meat with vegetable, meat, more meat. Uh, cook cabbage, potatoes, tomatoes, onion, garlic, Ukraine beef borscht. Sorry, thank you. Now, this story takes place in New Mexico. Now, in New Mexico, the nights are very cold, but the days are very hot. So one day I was there with the church and they decided to go out to have a picnic. And at this picnic they had all kinds of different foods, but for them there was something missing. So what they did is they go down into the rocks, into the ground, and they find two rattlesnakes. And they go pop, pop, and they shoot up in the head. Then they get the knife and they cut off their head and they skin them. 
So then they get them and we, we come back and they cook them like uh, how you cook uh, deer, uh, the uh, uh, rotisserie. Mm-hmm. So they cook it for, for a little bit and they said, do you want some? I said, what? Um, I, I, uh, no, not like that. They said, oh, come on. I said, okay, fine. But I put hot sauce on it. <laughs> so I try this rattlesnake and it's pretty good. It, uh, it, it's chewy, kind of. And, and they say that sometimes they uh, let it dry out to like a powder. And the powder they can put on a lot of different things. And it can help with things like anemia, acne, and diabetes. So, if the snake bites you, you die. But if you eat the snake, then you live. our episode to a close. We were produced today by Rick Brewer of Brew Ha Ha Audio Production, and we worked with the Muscatine Community College, Naomi Winter and Rachel Riley-Smock. Thank you for helping us with this episode. We also had support from the Warner Ellathorpe Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation and the Calio Levine Fund, who also helps with our Farm to Artist residencies. And we had support from the Iowa Arts Council. We welcome your support. Simply go to our website, agarts.org, A-G-A-R-T-S dot O-R-G, and hit that red donate button. Thank you for your help, and we'll see you next time. Ha ha.